Greetings. Thank you for coming in today's uh, podcast. Fernando Alcoholic, let us open this session with a moment of silence followed by the Lord's Prayer. Please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Stay. Don't go nowhere. (laughs) All right. December the 2nd, Serenity, Daily Reflections. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps... 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, page 106. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of doing these steps. As I continued to go to meetings and work the steps, something began to happen to me. I felt confused because I wasn't sure what it was that I was feeling. And then I realized I was experiencing serenity. It was a good feeling, but where had it come from? Then I realized it had come as the result of these steps. The program may not always be easy to practice, but I had to acknowledge that my serenity had come to me after working the steps. As I work the steps in everything I do, practicing these principles in all my affairs, now I find that I am awake to God, to others, and to myself. The spiritual awakening I have enjoyed as a result of working the step is the awareness that I am no longer alone. Beautiful, beautiful readings. Okie doke. Um, I'm going to read the little 24-hour little book. I, I bought the book on Hazel 10 on my smartphone. And I also have a couple of small black copies. So what's the point, Fernando? Well, I got one that I can pass on to. Uh, you run to them, and here and there, you ran, you run into them, little books. So I save them for my to pass on, pass them on to others. Here we go, December the second, eight thought for the day. The thoughts that come before having a slip seem to be partly subconscious, and yet it is likely that at least part of these thoughts get into our consciousness. An idle thought connected with drinking casually pops into our mind. That is the crucial moment. Will I harbor that thought even for one minute, or will I banish it from my mind at once? If I let it stay, it may develop into a daydream. I may begin to see a cool glass of beer or a Manhattan cocktail in my mind's eye. If I allow the daydream to stay in my mind, it may lead to a decision, however unconscious, to take a drink. Then I am headed for a slip. Do I let myself daydream? Meditation for the day. Many of us have had sort of a vision of the kind of person God wants us to be. We must be true to that vision, whatever it is, and we must try to live up to it. By living the way we believe we should live, we can all believe that God has a vision of what he wants us to be like. In all people, there is a good person whom God sees in us, that person we could be and that God would like us to be. But many a person fails to fulfill that promise, and God's disappointments must be many. Prayer for the day. I pray that I may strive to be the kind of person that God would have me to be, I pray that I may try to fulfill God's vision and what I could do. Even at my worst, I will not disconnect myself from God, Fernando Alcoholic. Even if uh, it's saying right here that my imagination of being the best person I can be probably eludes me all the time, physical, mentally, financially, socially. But The way I avoid discouragement is I thank God for the negative post in my life. I say, I thank you, God, that I messed that one up, and then we laugh about it. 
I thank you, God, that I'm a misfit. I think another fine mess we got ourselves into, God, how are you going to get me out of this? Remember, he's our bigger brother. He loves us and he's encouraged us and he wants us to adventure life, to go in adventure and to have fun. You know, don't take ourselves too seriously. Laugh at our problems. Laugh at our thoughts. At our 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 thoughts <clears throat> try to generate. Well, my thoughts try to generate uh, anger, um, discouragement, uh, resentments. It tries to generate that stuff against somebody. And if and mind gone wild, or or you should say anger gone wild, right? Or uh, vengeance gone wild. So in order to put a, a, a steel bar and stop the reeling of the mind, and according to step two, <clears throat> is to start thanking God that you're thinking those ideas. You're going to get control of the reins. When I'm in the hunt to destroy somebody in my mind, mentally, and I can't sleep, I have lost control of the reins of my mind. You know, I don't have control. I got wild horses stampeding through the... Uh, through the vegetable garden, say. So as soon as I start thanking God, thanking God for the horses, thanking God for the thoughts, thanking God that I lost rain, and then his arms comes over me and they control and pull back the, the horses and the thoughts. Why? I must have disconnected myself. I must have stopped my training. I got off my training to be thanking God for the negative side. <clears throat> so... Um, we would always think that we thank God for the positive uh, traits, but the problem with that is we get arrogant, we get full of pride, we get ego, self-sufficiency. <clears throat> a lot of us have to be on the side of um, thanking God for our difficulties so we can get close and be normal. I know I do. You know, I, I sat in, the, in a $150,000 Mercedes-Benz yesterday in the back, my sponsor came to pick me up, and we went to uh, to a analog analog Al-Anon meeting. I was gonna say analog. And uh, I sat in the back, and I noticed this car just it got an incredible amount. Six speakers for one side where I'm at in the back. You met overkill, you know, adjustment of the head, the back. Uh, the seat on the back seat mind you it was almost like a limousine it has uh, i can charge my phone there uh on the rest counter the the uh the perforated uh, leather upholstery was just dynamically uh done and, and i haven't seen the all the intricate parts of that mercedes benz but then we had someone sit in the front and my sponsor was driving and then i noticed that i was getting would you believe a little arrogant and and opinionated about things in the in what's happening? And I said, "Wow, man, how easily that that kicked in that all of a sudden, you know, that the reason God can't give us wealth, a lot of us, is because we we'll, we'll go into that arrogancy mode, you know. And uh, thank God for my old pickup truck that snorts <laughs> like a horse." Thank God for uh, my difficulties in keeping my library uh, organized, A, B, C, all that. I've been trying it for years, and I can't seem to do it. I've got books all over the place. Uh, thank God I'm not perfect. Thank God, you know, so that's what the point is, that we thank God for the side that's not perfection. Then we can live with ourselves without destroying ourselves more. Makes sense to me, folks. I'm going to put that in my tea and drink it. <laughs> it's the only um, antidote I have for uh, living this life, not take ourselves too seriously. Uh, keep in mind that there's three valuable things that we have to keep in mind today. Live and let live. Forgive and laugh and enjoy today. Laughter makes you uh, handsome, beautiful. Laughter makes you close to God. Laugh at your problems. Laugh at your wallet. I open my wallet. I laugh at it. And I say, glory, glory, glory. 
I don't say empty wallet. I say glory, glory, glory. That means nothing missing, nothing broken. What is a wallet for the for the purpose? The earth knows what the, what what a wallet is purpose. For. Before you know it, it gets filled of green uh, bills. And again, so it's, it keeps me humble. Whatever God is doing in our lives is keeping us humble. And that is important because we all get contaminated with pride, disconnecting from God, arrogancy. You know, we don't want God mad at us or disappointed with us by us not asking for his counsel. Even in our ugliest failure, uh, we're supposed to thank God for his counsel. You know, you hurt somebody. I say, Father, I, I admit it. Uh, I ask you for your counsel, your presence. Um, kind of hard to say thank you for that one, huh? But thank you that God is here in the presence, okay? And we thank you that the Father is here with us. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll always carry you on my shoulders. Whew, what's up with that, man? Getting heavy today. Very quickly, i got to read uh, some Psalms. It says, in Psalm 121, it says, The Lord is our protector. It says, I look to the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help will come from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you fail. Your protector is always awake. The protector of Israel never dozes or sleeps. The Lord will guard you. He is by your side to protect you. The sun will not hurt you during the day nor the moon during the night. The Lord will protect you from all danger. He will keep you safe. He will protect you as you come and go now and forever. Psalm 91. God is our protector. Psalm 91. Okie doke, I'm having a beautiful time here with this free computer. It says, whoever goes to the Lord for safety, whoever remains under the protection of the Almighty, can say to him, you are my defender and protector. You are my God, and you I trust and have confidence in. He will keep you safe from all hidden dangers and from all deadly diseases. He will cover you with his wings. You will be safe in his care. His faithfulness will protect and defend you. You need not fear any dangers at night or sudden attacks during the day or the plagues that strike in the dark or the evils that kill in daylight. A thousand may fall dead beside you and ten thousands all around you. But you will not be harmed. You will look and see how the wicked are punished. You have made the Lord your defender, the Most High your protector. And so no disaster will strike you. No violence will come near your home. God will put his angels in charge of you to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands to keep you from hurting your feet on the stone. You will trample down lions and snakes, fierce lions and poisonous snakes. God says, I will save those who love me and will protect those who acknowledge me as Lord. When they call up to me, I will answer them. When they are in trouble, I will be with them. I will rescue them and honor them. I will reward them with long life. I will save them. Beautiful, huh? All right, let's go to Psalm 91. 61, please. 61. A prayer for protection. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. In despair and far from home, I call to you. Take me to a safe refuge, for you are my protector, my strong defense against my enemies. Let me live in your sanctuary all my life. Let me find safety under your wings. You have heard my promises, O God, and you have given me what belongs to those who honor you. Add many years to the king's life. Let him live on and on. May he rule forever in your presence, O God. 
Protect him with your constant love and faithfulness. So I will always sing praises to you and offer you daily what I have promised. Woohoo! All right, now we go to Psalm 31. Psalm 31. A prayer of trust in God. I come to you, Lord, for protection. Never let me be defeated. You are a righteous God. Save me, I pray. Hear me. Save me now. Be my refuge to protect me, my defense to save me. You are my refuge and defense. Guide me and lead me as you have promised. Keep me safe from the trap that has been set for me. Shelter me from danger. A place I place myself in your care. You will save me, Lord. You are a faithful God. You hate those who worship false gods, but I trust in you. I will be glad and rejoice because of your constant love. You see my suffering. You know my trouble. You have not let the enemy capture me. You have given me freedom to go where I wish. Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in trouble. My eyes are tired from so much crying. I am completely worn out. I am exhausted by sorrow and weeping has shortened my life. I am weak from all my troubles. Even my bones are wasting away. All my enemies, and especially my neighbors, treat me with contempt. Those who know me are afraid of me. When they see me in the street, they run away. Everyone has forgotten me as though I were dead. I am like something thrown away. I hear many enemies whispering terror is all around me. They are making plans against me, plotting to kill me. But my trust is in you, O Lord. You are my God. I am always in your care. Save me from my enemies, from those who persecute me. Look on your servant with kindness. Save me in your constant love. I call to you, Lord. Don't let me be disgraced. May the wicked be disgraced. May they go silently down to the world of the dead. Silence those liars, all the proud and arrogant who speak with contempt about the righteous. How wonderful are the good things you keep for those who honor you. Everyone knows how good you are, how securely you protect those who trust in you. You hide them in the safety of your presence from the plots of others. In a safe shelter, you hide them from the insults of their enemies. Praise the Lord, how wonderfully he showed his love for me. When I was surrounded and attacked, I was afraid and thought that he had driven me out of his presence. But he heard my cry when I called to him for help. Love the Lord, all his faithful people. The Lord protects the faithful, but punishes the proud as they deserve. Be strong, be courageous, all you that hope in the Lord. And now we're going to do Psalm 1 and Psalm 2. Happy are those who reject the advice of evil people, who do not follow the example of sinners, or join those who have no use for God. Instead, they find joy in obeying the law of the Lord, and they study it day and night. They are like the trees that grow beside a stream that bear fruit at the right time and whose leaves do not dry up. They succeed in everything they do. But evil people are not like that at all. They are like the straw that wind blows away. Sinners will be condemned by God and kept apart from God's own people. The righteous are guided and protected by the Lord, but the evil are on their way to their doom. Psalm 2, God's Chosen King. Why do the nations plan rebellion? Why do the people make their useless plots? Their kings revolt. Their rulers plot together against the Lord and against the king he chose. Let us free ourselves from their rule. They say, let us throw off their control. From his throne in heaven, the Lord laughs and mocks their feeble plans. Now there's the scripture that we use to laugh at our wallet, to laugh at our enemies and our thoughts. 
Psalm 2, verse 4. From God's throne, his throne in heaven, the Lord laughs and mocks their feeble plans. Then he warns them in anger and terrifies them with his fury. O Zion, on Zion, my sacred hill, he says, I have installed my king. I will announce, says the king, what the Lord has declared. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask, and I will give you all the nations of the whole earth will be yours. You will break them with an iron rod. You will shatter them in pieces like a clay pot. Now listen to this warning, you kings. Learn this lesson, you rulers of the world. Serve the Lord with fear. Tremble and bow down to him, or else his anger will be quickly aroused, and you will suddenly die. Happy are those who go to him for protection. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Praise works. Reading from page 12. It isn't fair. Why was I born? Nothing goes right for me. Hardly anybody likes me. I have no talent. Whenever I try to accomplish anything, someone stops me. My health is terrible and I look worse. How can I praise the Lord when there is nothing to praise Him for? My comment. The author comments. The Apostle Paul lived in a horrible circumstance, but he refused to be defeated or even discouraged because he trusted God and had learned to be content regardless of his situation. Paul was able to rejoice in the Lord and be at peace. Happiness on this earth does not depend on our circumstances. If it did, many of us would be in trouble. There is a big difference in the way unhappiness and happy persons treat their circumstances. One person suffers under them. The other stands on top and shouts, I won. Why is this? Stronger willpower? Better health? More advantage? More talent? Better looking? No. The difference is that some folks have learned the secret. Others haven't. Paul was one of those who had learned. He decided that God was on his side. What a partner. And since God was on his side, it didn't matter to Paul who or what was against him. Paul decided that since God had already sacrificed his own son for our benefit, he wouldn't fail to supply everything else we need. Paul believed in God's love. Therefore, to him, everything that happened was a blessing from God. So whatever occurred, Paul climbed up on top and shouted, Victory! No one could say Paul lived a sheltered, protected luxurious life or that his generation applaud him no way we love him but in those days most people avoided him paul attracted trouble the majority of the unsaved didn't like what he said or how he said it his former associates wanted him dead his new christian friend often turned their heads whenever he was in trouble paul's reactions to all of this he knew that jesus was at god's right hand what did he see Jesus doing? Paul says, he's praying for me. And since he knew that, he mocked troubles, persecution, famine, nakedness, pearl, or even sword. Could do only one thing, help him. But notice in verse 37 that Paul wasn't just a conqueror. He was more than, far more. Why? He knew how much Jesus loved him. This is the difference between people who live under the circumstances and those who live on top of them. Paul was so exuberant in his fate that he claimed victory over angels, principalities, powers, the future, big problems, little problems, and even including anything ever created. Paul refused to be separated from God's love, no matter what, or who did, what, or when. He would not accept any event as misfortune or bad luck. That's the secret Dear trouble friend, our confidence in God's love decides, decides our reaction to every experience in life. If we believe God loves us and pay close attention to everything that happens to us, we shout victory at every turn of event. No one can do this for us. 
Each of us must take off the blindfold. Open our eyes and go for it. It can help you a little by telling you my own experience. The problem is this. If you have been living under your circumstances, you may resent any interference in the way you run your life. The writer of the above letter classified many things that were wrong in his life as their fault or God's fault. He and any one of us who are like him must take our attention off anything that might prevent us from understanding God's love for us. We must learn to love God. This is a proven way to understand God's love for us. Do this by, one, telling him the reasons you love him. This isn't for his benefit, it's for yours. Two, finding dozens of occasions daily to tell God how much you love him. Sing about it. Three, taking your attention off anything that separates you from God. Turn off television, movies, radios, records, novels, magazines, etc. that are not produced by men and women who love God. Otherwise, your mind will be polluted by those who will, without you realizing it, separate you from God. For concentrating your attention on God's Word, many have learned to love God by knowing what He has said and done. Learn to hear God speak. That's not easy, and it requires your full attention. No time to be wasted. Five, finding people who love God and are learning about His love for them. They will assist you along your way. Six, don't give up. Your goal is too important. Since I began learning about God's love for me, so many good things are have happened. My health improved. God gave me better and more loving friends. My opportunities to help people have increased. My joy keeps increasing. Every time Satan slips in some evil device to threaten him and I stand on top of it, my joy takes a new leap upward. I want to help all men to mount up on wings like eagles, Isaiah forty thirty one. The more I believe in God's love for me, the greater joy I experience. He loves me not because of who I am, but because of who he is. Over the past 2,000 years, Paul has had more influence in the world than any other follower of Christ. Whenever God finds a man or a woman who relies on his love, he uses that person. Believe in, trust in, and rely on God's love for you. The more we do this, the more blessed and favored we will feel and be. May they know that you sent me and have loved them, even as I have loved you. The end. Beautiful, beautiful words of life. That was from the book, The Praise Works, and we're done with this book. Thank you for listening. God bless you. And so we really try to make sure that uh, uh, every word is something that uh, came from the heart of God. And so thank you for watching. We want to thank all of you for all that you do in helping us to reach out and touch the world with the miracle working power of God's unconditional love. That God has given Donna and I the assignment to train people, teach people, how to operate with the last day's signs and wonders and all the gifts of the Holy Spirit as I study the Bible, that there's not going to be a rapture until people close with the last day's signs and wonders that'll bring in the great harvest and then the rapture will take place. And so Don and I, we're doing the best we can to reach as many people as we can. And we can do more. We will do more if we have more people to help us. And so... Just ask God what he'd have you to do in order to help us 
and we'll get on more TV stations. Don and I will not use one penny for our personal profit. It'll all go for reaching the lost. And so we thank you ahead of time. Uh, there's a testimony I'd like to read that came from Norway. And uh, so it's, uh, it's from a couple in Norway, Maria and uh, Habert in Norway. And this is what they said. Hi, this is a praise report. Just wanted to inspire you by sharing that I have shared my testimony on how I heard about your about you on a, a TV um, program called TV Vision in Norway, and I was interviewed. Then I went to Missouri, and I was baptized in fire. The Holy Spirit told me to follow you, and I did for many years. As a result, people are now getting healed and delivered because of the teaching that I got from you. Uh, I'm doing the best that I can to follow the Holy Spirit and to teach online to Africa. I bless you and honor your ministry in Jesus' name. Thank you. We need prayer for the ministry. We founded cornerstoneministry.com in Norway, and now we're doing the best we can with seminars and calling just like you and Donna to teach and equip, equip people uh, online and by traveling. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Praise dance and lots of love from Norway. And um, so we just thought we'd share that. That's from Maria and Harvard in Norway. So we're, we get reports like these every day and we just thought we'd just share one every now and then. But um, we're doing our best to touch people's lives with the goodness of God. Now, I want to take you right into the service that uh, we have a special teaching that I want to give you about Thanksgiving because now we're in the Thanksgiving season. And so I want to give you some thoughts and some principles from the Word of God, why we should thank God. And immediately I begin to think of John chapter 14, verse 27, one of the very first verses that I memorized at the age of 17. And here Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. And so I want to be thankful to God for the peace that he gives me that this world can't give and the world can't take it away. And that word peace has a fuller meaning of God's prosperity, God's protection, uh, God's uh, providential care, uh, God's prosperity, really um, Everything that we could possibly need or desire is in, wrapped up in that word peace. And so I want to thank God that he gives me something that the world could never give me. And now he's given it to me and he's given it to you. And so uh, really we should be thankful every day. And I, I do try to make it a, a, a practice in my life just to continually throughout my day thank God for his goodness. He's been so good. And so... Uh, and this is a, a season that we can share these truths with other people because they're already in that mindset of thanksgiving. And so that's a, a real good verse, John chapter 14 and verse 27. Then I look at, uh, in the book of Psalms, Psalm 107 and verse 1, it says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endureth forever. And so forever, his mercy, and that word mercy has to do with his uh, unconditional love. It has to do with his um, uh, unmerited favor, that there isn't anything that we could do to deserve God's mercy and, and his goodness. It's all by uh, God's grace and by the love that's in God's heart. And then we see in the book of uh, Lamentations, in chapter 3 and verse 20 and verse 23. And I'm just going to quote this off of the top of my head from what it says in the original languages of the Bible, uh, where it says, The steadfast love of the Lord never changes. It never changes. There's nothing that we can do to change God's love that he has for all of humanity. There's absolutely nothing that can be done that uh, that's called unconditional love. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, it says, but God is love. And that word love in the Greek is 
unconditional love. And so sometimes some people, they have an opinion that, uh, that God does some mean things if people don't line up with his word, that, you know, in other words, uh, sickness and disease will come on them and God's going to permit it, he's going to ordain it, uh, or those sort of things. That would be conditional love. As I study the Bible, I find that God is only unconditional love. And, uh, and, and that's not compromise at all. That's exactly telling the exact truth. Romans in chapter 1, verse 4, the Bible says, it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. That true repentance means that people changes. And so you can get to the place to where that you don't want to sin anymore. And the reason is, is because God gives you something better. It's the goodness of God that changes people. And so here, Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and verse 23, it says, For the steadfast love of the Lord never changes. His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. And so every morning, we, it's brand new with God. If we made mistakes yesterday, well, today's a new day. But we can even go further than that. Because 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, the Bible says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so if we make mistakes, regardless of how many mistakes we make in one day, that God gives us a new beginning. And that's our God. And that's what draws people to Christ. That's a true Christian. A, somebody that has discovered his loving kindness that's better than anything in life. Matthew, or no, I'm sorry, John chapter 63, verse 3, the Bible clearly says his loving kindness is better than life. Better than anything this world could possibly give us. As we look at life, that the most precious thing that we can have is our natural life, uh, breathing and having health. And however, the Bible teaches us that God's loving kindness is even better than that. And so that's what causes people to change. That's what's caused me to change, that um, finding out how much God loves me. And uh, so I want to go ahead and look at uh, some other verses that um, in in the book of Psalm, chapter 16, and verse 11, and I just want to read that real quickly, that, uh, well, it says, in his presence is fullness of life and pleasures forevermore. And so when we get in God's presence, that uh, that will cause us to be thankful because in his presence, the Bible says, is fullness of life. And the devil and uh, religious bondage, uh, bondage or, or, or teaching that is uh, man-made doctrines that um, uh, makes our Christian walk really ugly. But um, here the Bible says that in his presence is fullness of life. That... Um, he gives us a life that is so full of goodness and of his blessings that, um, you know, we don't want to change. And we want to thank him for that because in his presence is fullness of life. And then it says, and it, there's pleasures forevermore. Every human being wants more pleasure in their life. And God gives us supernatural pleasure. This world can only give us unnatural pleasure and if it's sinful then it's it's so short-lived and then the bible says the wages of sin is death and the wages is much worse a thousand times worse than the fragmentary portion of pleasure that sin can give but god he has supernatural pleasures that he gives us and so we want to praise god because of that we want to be thankful uh, every day because in his presence is fullness of life and pleasures forevermore. And so uh, a, a real secret here is just learning to get in God's presence. As we study the Bible, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews in chapter 13 and verse 5, the Bible says that God will never 
leave us and never forsake us. Now that's not just for Christians. That's for the worst sinner on the face of the earth because God is unconditional love. He doesn't love people just because, you know, they've got all their ducks in a row because they're doing everything that uh, Christian mandates say that they should do. He loves because he loves. It's unconditional love. And, and so um, if we get in his presence, and he's, he's already in our presence. Hebrews 13 and verse 5, it says that he will never leave us and he'll never forsake us. So we're always, all of humanity is in, uh, God's in our presence. Uh, the difference is, or the, the thing that we need to do is, just because he's in our presence, we need to get in his presence. That there's been times you've been in people's presence and they totally ignored you. And so really, you know that um, you were in, uh, in their presence, but they wasn't in yours, but they didn't accept you. And so we need to get in God's presence. If, because if we'll just get in God's presence, and the Bible plainly teaches us we can live in his presence 24 hours a day. And as we do that, then 24 hours a day, we can experience what Psalm 16 and verse 11 says, in his presence is fullness of life and pleasures forevermore. 24 hours a day, we can have fullness of life. We can have divine contentment and pleasures forevermore. So what we want to do is learn to get into God's presence. And um, then we'll be thankful. 24 hours a day, we'll always be thankful. And praising God and thanking God for what he's done and what he continues to do in our life, that it's not because God needs it. He's not on an ego trip. He doesn't need our, pres our, our praises. He doesn't need our thanksgiving. It's not what it does for God, but what it does for us. And a real good uh, passage of scripture to help us to learn how to get into God's presence is uh, in the book of Psalms 100 and verse 4. And the Bible says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter into his courts with praise. And so as you analyze this, that you see that um, uh, literally um, when we begin to thank God, um, according to this Hebrew word in Psalms 100 and verse 4, where it says, we enter into his gates with thanksgiving. That word thanksgiving uh, in the Hebrew, it's a sacrifice of praise. And so many times in our lives that we don't feel like that we have anything to be thankful for, and that's just the devil lying to us, but sometimes that because of circumstances, we don't want to thank God. We don't want to praise God. And so that's a sacrifice. And so we do it anyway. And when we do it, when we have that sacrifice of praise that we just, we don't want to lift our hands and praise him. We don't want to thank him. We don't want to lift up our, our, our voices and lift up our, head, our, our heads and, and thank God. That's a sacrifice. And the greater the sacrifice, the more so we get into his presence. And as I study the Bible in the book of Hebrews in chapter 4, the Bible teaches us in verse 15 and 16. I'm going to paraphrase it real quickly. And you can go home or wherever you're at and look it up. But uh, it talks about getting in the very presence of God. It says, come boldly to the throne of grace so that we can obtain help and time of need and we can get favor from God and so all of us needs and desires more supernatural help and it comes from God and as I study in detail of what Hebrews in chapter 4 verse 16 is saying where it says to come boldly that in, in the Greek it says without exaggeration that we literally go into the presence of God. And so we've got to understand that every human being is made up of three parts. That we have a body. 
If you don't have a body, you're not here. But you have a spirit, and your spirit is the eternal person. And then you have a mind, and the Bible calls your mind co-equally as your soul. And so we have a spirit, and we live in a body. And according to the highest authority in existence, spiritual truth is the highest order of truth. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will never pass away because God's word is spirit. As Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit. And so you are spirit. And so we've got to learn to be spiritually minded. We need to learn to be more spiritually minded than we are physically minded. And the Bible clearly tells us that uh, if we have a need, uh, a desire, come boldly. Without exaggeration, the Bible says we go into the very gates of God. And so I think of gates just like if um, um, you have a house and, uh, and you have gates around it. Well, you're, you're on God's property when you start having a, an attitude. It's, I'm thanking God sacrificially. Spiritually, you're on God's turf. And then it goes a little bit further. It says uh, in Psalms 100 and verse 4, that we enter into his gates with thanksgiving, that sacrifice, a, a sacrificial praise, and then we enter into his courts with praise. And praise is a higher order of thanksgiving, and uh, that's where that we're glamorously foolish praising God, and then that takes us right into the very most intimate places where God abides, his courtroom. And so I want to encourage you to learn to be uh, thankful to God. Have an attitude of thanksgiving 24 hours a day. Put on the garment of praise. The Bible says for the spirit of heaviness. And so it's not what it does for God. God's not on an ego trip, but it's what it does for us. So I'd like to encourage you to do it and see what happens. It'll change your life. Well, we thank you for watching our program, and we pray for you every day. And so God's riches and best belongs to you. And these are some truths that will help you to receive everything that God has given you. He said, Beloved, above all things, I wish you'd prosper and be in health. Well, a key of that being released from the spirit world and into the natural is learning to be thankful. So be thankful, especially during this Thanksgiving season. You be blessed. Okay. Welcome to today's reading podcast. I'm Fernando Alcoholic, his Zoom meeting. We have my friend Rick and myself, and hopefully someone else will come in. I invited a couple other people. Uh, let's say the set-aside prayer, please. God, please help me to set aside everything I think I know about you, about me, about my fellow man, and about the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. Please allow me to have again a fresh new vision and perspective and understanding of you, myself, my fellow man, and these 12 steps so I could be better of service to you and my fellow man in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Okay, let's go ahead and start with page 24. And then... Uh, you don't want to do a half order? It's already like 10 after. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll skip that middle part. where We'll skip 416 to... Uh, like we do. It's about two pages, three pages. All right. I'll, I'll go ahead and start. The fact is that most alcoholics, for a reason yet obscure, have lost the power of choice in drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation or even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against the first drink. The almost certain consequence that follows taking even a glass of beer do not crowd into the mind to deter us 
If these thoughts occur, they are hasty and readily supplanted with the old treadbare idea that this time we should handle ourselves like other people. There is a complete failure of this kind of defense that keeps one from putting his hand on a hot stove. Yeah, uh, I'll make of himself in the most casual way of burning his time, so here's how. Or perhaps he doesn't think at all how often there's some of this begun to drink this nonchalant way and after a third or fourth pound on the bar and said to herself, for God's sake, how did I ever get started again? Only to have that thought supplanted by, well, stop at a sixth drink or what's use anyhow. When this sort of thing is fully established in an individual with all other tendencies, he probably place himself beyond human aid. And unless locked up, may go die of a permanently insane, the stark and ugly facts would confirm by legions of alcoholics throughout history. By the grace of God, there have been thousands more convincing demonstrations. So many of us want to stop, but cannot. There is a solution. Almost none of us like the self-searching and the living of our pride. The confession of our shortcomings, which the process requires for a successful consummation. But we saw that it really worked in others, and we had come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we have been living it. When, therefore, we were approached by those in whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us but to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. We have found much in heaven, and we have been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence of which we had not even dreamed. The great fact is just this, and nothing less, that we have had deep and effective spiritual experiences which have revolutionized our whole attitude towards life, towards our fellows, and towards God's universe. The central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our Creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has commenced to accomplish these things for us which we could never do by ourselves. <clears throat> we believe there's no middle of road solution. <clears throat> we were in a position where life was becoming impossible and we had to pass through a region of which there is no return to human aid. We had two alternatives. One is to go out the bitter and blind out of the consciousness of an intolerable situation, best as we could, or we, uh, best as we could. And the other was to accept spiritual help. This we did because we honestly wanted to and were willing to make the effort. Page 62, please. Selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-illusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. We step on the toes of our fellows, and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us seemingly without provocation, but we invariably find that it, sometime in the past we have made decisions based on self, which later place us in a position to be hurt. So our troubles we think are basically our own making. They rise well of ourselves with alcohols, an extreme example of self-oil run riot. Though he doesn't usually think so, above everything, alcoholic must be rid of his selfishness. We must or it kills us. God makes that possible. There are, there are, often seems to be no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. Many of us had moral and physiological convictions galore, but we could not live up to them, even though we'd like to. Uh, neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own power. We have to have God's help. This is the how and the why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. We mean, next we decided that after a drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is our principal. We are his agents. He is the father. We are his children. Most good ideas are simple. And this concept was the keystone to the new triumphant arch, which we passed through freedom. Amen. When we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things follow. We had a new employer. Being all-powerful, he provided what we needed if we kept close to him and perform his work well. Established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. As we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, as we become conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter. We were reborn. We were now at step three. Many of us said to our maker, as we understood him, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. 
Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those that would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. We thought well before taking this step, making sure we were ready, that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. Page 76, please. When Ray would say something like this, my creator, I am not willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I now pray that you remove me from every single defective character which stands in my way uh, of my usefulness to you and my followers. Grant me uh, the strength as I go out there and do your bidding. Amen. We have now completed steps up. Page 86, please. On awakening. Let us think about the 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the day before we begin. We ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. Under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance, for after all, God gave us brains to use. Our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is wrong of clear motives. When thinking about our day, we face any decisions. We may be uh, able to determine which course to take. Here's what we ask for God for inspiration and two and thought of our decision. We relax, we take it easy, we don't struggle. We are often surprised how right the answers come and retry this for a while. What used to be the occasional inspiration gradually becomes working part of the mind. Being still in experience and having just made a conscious contact with God, we're not probable that we're going to be inspired at all times. We might pay for the presumption of all sorts of obscure actions and ideas. Nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration. We kind of rely upon it. We usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that we've been shown all through the day what our next step is to be. That we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. We are careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. And many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that. And it doesn't work. You can easily see why. If circumstances warrant, we ask our wives or friends to join us in morning meditation. If we belong to a religious denomination which requires a definite morning devotion, we attend to that also. If not, members of religious bodies, we sometimes select and memorize a few set prayers which emphasize the principles we have been discussing. There are many helpful books also. Suggestions about these may obtain from one's priest, minister, or rabbi. We quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they offer. As we go through the day and we pause when agitated or doubtful, we ask for the right thought or action. We constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show. Humbly saying to ourselves many times these days, that will be done. Where then must such danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions? We become more and more efficient. We do not tire so easily. We're not burning up and uh, burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange our lives to suit ourselves. Amen. Let's go ahead and jump to page of 100, please. 100. Both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. If you persist, remarkable things will happen. When we look back, we realize that the things which came to us when we put ourselves in God's hands were better than anything we could have planned. Follow the dictates of a higher power and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world no matter what your present circumstance. Page 83, please. If you're painting about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We're going to know a new freedom, a new happiness. We will not regret the past or shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace no matter how far down the scale we have got we will see how our experiences can benefit others and the feeling of useless and self-pity will disappear we will lose interest in our selfish things and gain interest in our fellow self-seeking will slip away we will a whole attitude toward our life will change pure people economic insecurity will leave us 
we will intuitively know how to handle our, our situations which used to baffle us. We will then suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. It will always materialize more for them. Page 85, please. It is easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We're headed for trouble if we do. For alcohol is a subtle fall. We are not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. These are thoughts which must go with us constantly. We can exercise our willpower along this line all we wish. It is the proper use of the will. Much has already been said about receiving strength and inspiration direction from him who has all knowledge and power. If we are careful, we have, we, if we have carefully follow directions, we have begun our sense of the flow of the spirit into us and we become, some, to some extent, we have become God conscious. We have begun to develop a vital success. We must go further. This means more action. Yeah. Page 43, please. Once more... The alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first strength. And except in a few rare cases, neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. The end. Wonderful, wonderful, awesome readings, man. Thank you so much for coming in here, Rick, and helping me get my uh, defense up. You know? We're uh, against people that don't have a program, against life and situations that bug us. We have a, def- a defense of words that will run right through them, you know. Uh, and at the same time, remarkable things are expected to happen. Good things will happen. All right, my friend. God bless you. Uh, I just had a question for you. You, you have any recommendations on coffee? On what, what type of coffee you like? <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's about me Being too. Wow. Can you have one? Yeah, I could have one. Oh. But no one, no one buys one, so. Well, I think I may have an extra one. I'll look around. Yeah. All right. God bless you. See you tomorrow. Take care. Thank you. Bye bye. And with that, that is our Zoom meeting. It's a little different today. We went right to the, uh, we talked about the problem, and then we talked about the solution and the defense. And there's something about these words that we fire them up to produce things for the day. Uh, We fire these things up like a motor, and they they are productive words, uh, and upcoming good meeting events happen. You know, food for thought, eating these words on a daily basis. I'm Fernando, I'm alcoholic, and I approve of these messages. I've been restored, you have been restored. Have a great day, family. If no one told you they love you, I love you. Thank you for coming in here. And let's go ahead and, and uh, finish off again with the, uh, with the Lord's Prayer, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back. It's working.